0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Okay, anybody going to Florida? No, not, we're on the West Coast. California? Anybody going to California? Any Disneyland destination people? You're going to Disney? Hey, if you need a chaplain, like every family vacation, in my opinion, should have a chaplain. If you need a professional reverend, I will escort you to Disney. Dude, we got some college students on break. What's going on? Good to see you guys. Man, this is good. Where else? Uh, where else do people go on spring break? Vegas. Vegas? So, all right, I'm from the East Coast, so I'll, I'll tell you the, the reality here. I didn't understand that Vegas was like a vacation destination because it's so close and cheap. But on the East Coast, Vegas means I'm going to like spend it all to win it all. And so I remember the first time I came here, it was like five years ago, and there was like the seventh grade girl who said, yeah, we're going to Vegas for spring break. I was like, ha, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're for real. Like that's like her family's favorite spot to go. How many of you like go or have gone to Vegas for vacation? See, that's just Okay. Cool. I haven't been yet. I'll have to try it out. Where else? You go to Vegas, Disney. Where else do you go on spring break? New York. You're going to New York? New York. Tell Beyonce I said, what up? What else? The beach? The beach? Oh, how many people going to the beach? Nice. Okay. All right. Tell the beach boys I said, what up? Very cool. All right. So next week is spring break, but tonight, my friends, tonight is a very special night. Tonight is the last night of our series through the book of Colossians. Tonight we say goodbye to Built Up. And everybody says, "Oh." Have you guys enjoyed Colossians? So I told you guys something 10 weeks ago, way before winter camp. I said that we're going to go on a journey through the book of Colossians. And by the time we get to the end, we're going to be different than when we started. How many of you, like you're different than when we started the book of Colossians? How many of you have learned something throughout the book of Colossians? That's good. That's good. I'm glad. And so tonight we're going to end it. And the title of my message tonight, well, I'll tell you in a second. But as I introduce the title of my message, I want you guys to think back all the way to Christmas. Okay, a long time ago, three months ago. That's like forever in high school years, right? You guys age in like two weeks. Like, hey, what's up, man? You're like, I said that like two weeks ago. That's so old. That's so January nineteen. <laughs> and so all the way back at Christmas, you opened up your Christmas presents. You rip back and like I don't know if you guys are like the neat people. Like my wife is like she'll like find the seam and she'll break the tape and then she folds the paper and I'm just like, open the present, you know? Because I'm just like clawing at the box and I rip it open. You get to the present and right. On the box, on the gift that you wanted and you expected and you're glad you got. On the box, you see the following words, two words, actually. You read, assembly required. Yeah, right? That's right up there with batteries not included, right? (laughs) You read, assembly required. And what that means, for those of you who have never had to put a gift together on your own, what this means is that this object will not put itself together. It means that this object is going to require some educated and intentional effort. And so what I have found is that whenever the words read assembly required, I have found that there are usually two types of people. And I'm curious to know which of these two types of people you are. On the one hand, you have the people who read all of the instructions you have the people who basically have like a highlighter and a pen out and they're taking notes and they're studying. You have people who are making flashcards of the instructions. They're like, this is an E screw. This is a B screw. Washer. You know, and it's like, okay. And they're like, we are not going to touch a single tool until everything is lined out. On the other hand, we got people that are like, uh, I could wing it. Uh, You got people that are like, yeah, I watched a YouTube video once when I was like four. I pretty much got it. So how many of you, when you see assembly required, you're like, I want all the instructions? How many of you like that? Okay. Hey, I respect you. That's cool. How many of you are like, meh, we'll figure it out, right? (laughs) Yo! Oh my gosh, my people, my people, you understand me. So imagine, right, So so let's break this thing down, right? Let's talk about you type of people. Let's imagine that you opened up. <laughs> let's, let's take it even further than instructions. Let's talk about like a new board game, right? And so you open up the new board game, and you have this person's like, nobody touch the box until I read every word, right? And you're sitting there, and it's like the game time itself is like 30 minutes. You spend an hour reading about the rules for a 30-minute game, right? And they're all sitting there, and they're talking about hypothetical scenarios, and then I'm on the other hand, I'm like, yo, let's just play the game, we'll figure it out. Right? And I think that that's cool, and you guys may think that's cool until you start playing a game with someone who's like this. How many of you have played games that somebody's like, we'll just figure it out as we go along? Halfway through the game, they drop one of these on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Halfway through the game, you're winning. You're new, you're winning, and they drop one of these on you. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. I'm like, say what? <laughs> Boys winning right now say what oh yeah that's against the rule I go you now want to tell me the rules oh yeah and another thing you can't do I'm like oh maybe I don't like those people as much as I thought switch the metaphor go from games how many of y'all been to Ikea oh dude Ikea is the bomb once a year I walk in Ikea, I'm like, my place, what's up? And by the time I get to the end, I got shin splints, my feet hurt, I'm like, I just walked four miles through furniture, (laughs) I'm good for like a year, I'm done. And so imagine you go to Ikea, right? And you grab like a crib for like your precious baby, right? And imagine that you're married to a person who's like this, and you're like this. And you're like, okay, it's time to put the crib together. Let's get all the tools, all the screws, let's make sure the pictures. Let's like laminate the instructions just in case. And then this person's like, nah, just look at the picture on the box, we'll be good. <laughs> you finish that crib, you got like three extra poles, 14 screws, and a giant piece of wood. You're like, where does this even go? <laughs> right? Like, whoosh, right? I'm not putting my baby in that crib. Instructions are pretty important. And whether you're you're detailed down to the exact screw or whether you're like, yeah, we'll just figure it out. Like at a minimum, if you could at least give me a picture on the box, I feel a lot better. I feel like I would have a lot more instructions on how to assemble this thing. And so there are so many things that come with instructions. I I put a trampoline together recently without the instructions. (sighs) I lost the instructions. So I put that together. That was fun. Board games come with instructions. Furniture comes with instructions. Everything comes with instructions. But there are a few things that I think should come with instructions that don't. I think there's some things that are super, super important in life. And I wish, I only wish that we could read the words on these things like assembly required. This will not put itself together, high school student. This will require your intentional and educated efforts. So one of those things that I wanna talk to you about, one of those things that we're gonna focus on as we end our book here, oh, two types of people. We're gonna focus on instructions for our community. Like, why don't we have, like, welcome to citizens, here's the 14-page document of all the rules on how to be a good friend. Somebody's like, yes, I'm taking notes. No, no, I don't have, I don't. Your boy doesn't have that, all right? Like, why are you not like, why don't you show up at kindergarten and it's like, hey, welcome to our class. Here are the 27 rules for being a great friend. Like, there's no instructions for community. And so for those of you who are in this camp that you love meticulous instructions, we don't necessarily have those. But what we do have is a picture on the box. What we do have is a picture, a model that we can look at that can tell us what is this at least supposed to look like? What does God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, life-giving community look like? What does it look like to have the type of community that will result in us being built up? What would that community look like? And I wish I could say look around because this is the perfect community, but this is not the perfect community. This is not where we see, Citizens Youth is not where we see the picture of perfect community yet, but we see it here. And in our final passage of our series, we're gonna look at the picture on the box and on the picture, we're gonna see four traits. Rather, we're gonna see four pictures that show us what this community is supposed to look like as we assemble it. Four pictures that are gonna help us understand what God's family is like if we intentionally work at it. And so students, everybody sit up a little bit. Get on the edge of your seat, lean forward. I want you to pay attention because we are building community. We are cultivating a Christ-centered community. And students, guess what? Assembly required. Assembly required. This is not going to do it on its own. we got to put it together. And so without further ado, we're going to dive in to the final verses of our passage. And so read along with us. Listen, I rather listen, as we read our text this morning. This is God's word. Tychicus, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one with you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Thank you, students. You can be seated. Oh, man. Yo, tell you. (laughs) (laughs) They love that. Wow. Encore. Encore. Encore? No, I'm just kidding. So tell you what, when I end my letters, you know how I usually end my letters? Love, Sam. <laughs> I write this heartfelt letter, and I'm like, sincerely, your boy, <laughs> you know, or onward, Cassis. You know, I'm like, I think I have these cool endings, and then I read Paul's letter, and I'm like, that's the way to end a letter, Right? He just name dropped everybody in like Western Greece, right? And so we're gonna get into this here. Look at the first couple of verses. Let's look at it again. If you're new here, we go verse by verse and we just break it down and we see what God is saying to us. Sound good? Let's do it. So look what he says here. Tick a kiss, tick a tick a, tick a kiss. That's what I just, like, if take a kiss was my friend, that would be his nickname. Tick a tick a, tick a, tick a, tick a kiss, right? I just, I'm gonna name my next kid take a kiss, male or female, I don't care. <laughs> tick a kiss will tell you all about my activities. Here we go. The first picture of God glorifying Christ's life-giving experience. The first picture we see is this. We see that our relationship with each other creates concern for each other. Let me say that again. Our relationship with each other creates concern for each other. As, I, as we read that letter, do you hear the concern that they have for each other? Did you hear it? These are people who are literally and genuinely concerned. They want to know how each other are doing. They care about the other person's well being. But here's the problem this is about 60 AD. There's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no Snap Maps. There is nothing that can allow them to stay up to date on everybody's well being every day, all day, right? You guys take it for granted. You guys, I talked to some of you, you have friends that moved away in third grade to Hawaii and like they're still your bestie. And when I was growing up, I was like, what if you move away, it's like they're dead. Like you'll never see them again. And then, but like you guys are so connected. They didn't have that. They had no idea how someone was doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And so Paul, he's hundreds of miles away. The Colossians are like, man, Paul, is he dead? I have no idea how he's doing. And so Paul sends them a letter, but he doesn't send it in the mail. He doesn't send it via FedEx. You're like, of course not. There was no FedEx. (laughs) He doesn't send it through an impersonal carrier. He sends it through a friend. He sends it to a personal messenger so that that messenger can tell them, here is how Paul is doing. He's doing good. He's alive. He's in prison, which we'll get to. But he's doing good. He's still running the race. And so as we see, this man, Paul, he went through all of this effort to send a letter. He sent a dude hundreds of miles away to carry a letter. Why? Because these people want to know how each other are doing. These are people that have concern for each other. And so we see here, he sends the letter, and look what it says. I have sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are. I want you to know how I'm doing. Why? Because I know you care. Because I care about you. He says, uh, he says my boy, take a kiss. kick a, 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 a kiss. He's going to tell you all about my activities. He's going to tell you everything that has taken place here. Because you care. I want you to pay attention for a moment. Listen to this. Answer me this. What is something you care about? Think about it. Fortnite is not an answer. Think about it. <laughs> Tell me, so everybody's like, yeah, what else is there, right? <laughs> my dog, my bed, Fortnite, I don't know. Something that you care about. Something that genuinely gets you pumped when you hear the news. What, what encourages your heart? What can lift your mood? What can cheer you up when you hear about it? What would it be? What would your parents have to tell you for you to make this face? What would it do? You know what they care about? You know what makes the Colossians so pumped? You know what gets the Colossians like teared up? You know what gets them like in a different mood? Hearing that Paul is good. Hearing that Paul is A-OK. That's why he says here. That's why I'm telling you about this because I know that it encourages your hearts. What encourages your hearts, students? Are you self-absorbed in your own world? Is your, are your thoughts always focused on yourself, on me, on what I need, on how I'm doing? Or do you share concern, genuine concern for other people? Do you have a level of concern for others? So much so that when you hear they're doing good, you go, man, I'm happy. Do you? Look, who, look who's here. We have Tick-A-Kiss. tick a kiss All night, I'm sorry. I have the microphone. I'm allowed to do that, okay? So you think about the things, uh, yeah, okay. Here's why, here's why. Do you know why they care so much? Well, because they're being polite. No. (laughs) You know why they care so much? Because they have really good manners. No. Do you know why they care so much? No. Because they're related. Look what it says. Because of their relationship. So we have Tychicus here. And who's Tychicus? He's a beloved brother. He's a fellow Servant. You see, friends, the reason why they care so much about each other is because they all serve Jesus. They care about each other because they are in this together. And so he talks about Tychicus. That's my brother. Are they related like by blood? Are they like biological brothers? Come on, citizens, we know. We know a lot when we read brother, sister, spiritual fathers. When we read all that language in the New Testament, we know he's talking about the family of God, not the family of DNA. And so we're related in that we all serve Jesus. So he says, Tychicus is my brother. Look what else he says. And I know this guy, you may have forgotten about him because we talked about him last year, but he's back. He's actually the one carrying the letter. And his name, Onesimus. How many of you remember the story of Onesimus? Okay, not a lot of you. Let me put it this way. How many of you remember the story of the runaway slave? Oh, that's the same dude. He ran away. As a slave, he, he robbed his master blindly. Just so happened to run into your boy, Paul, gets saved, repents, gets sent back to his master. And Paul is sending this letter back to his master, whose name is Philemon. And he says, oh, guess what? Tychicus, he's my brother. So is Onesimus. He's one of you now. He's a Christian, which means he's in this We are in this together. We all serve Jesus. And so, of course, there's concern for each other because our relationship with each other creates concern for each other. You see, students, when you serve Jesus with someone, there's a camaraderie. There's a bond that comes from being in the same family, serving the same Lord, same team, same family, same mission. Look around. Look look around. Look, look, look at the people around you. We're in this together. You're like, oh no, those are just the people that show up to youth group. Nah, those are your family. We're in this together. And so our relationship with each other creates concern for each other. This is the first picture of this kind of community. And so here's what this means for you, 16 year old, 17 year old. 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, here's what this means for you. It means that we must care how each other are doing. This means that we need to be a community, that when we talk to each other, we get beyond the surface. Right? Hey, how you doing? Good. Oh, yeah, did you hear about, hear about sports? Yeah, crazy, huh? Yeah, see ya. <laughs> I remember I had a friend in high school, and we all made fun of him mercilessly, because we, we said he was the dude that watched Sports Center for like 15 minutes, just to see highlights, just to be able to say something the next day. <laughs> he like, he'd be like, hey guys, still that slam dunk? Oh my gosh, it was so crazy, huh? And we're like, dude, you're trying so hard to just have like surface conversation. Is that what this community should be like? No, it shouldn't. Our relationship with each other should create concern for each other. So I'm so concerned for Levi that I'm going to go beyond the surface. I'm going to go behind, beyond the sports, beyond the weather, and I'm going to ask him this question. And you all would do well to ask this question to each other. How are you? Like, for real. Sam, so good to see you. Like, how you doing? Like, for real, though. Morgan, bro, dude, you're doing a lot. Man, you're serving. You got work, you're school. How you doing? Like, like for real. And the conversation that ensues after that question, that's where we're getting started. That's genuine community. That's beyond the surface. And why do we ask those kind of questions? Because we care. That's weird for students, isn't it? I know that's weird. I know that that kind of dialogue makes you uncomfortable. I know that that's so opposite of what we've learned in our culture. But Jesus died to make you brother and sister. So let's get uncomfortable. Jesus died so that we could be family. So let's ask the hard questions. And so here's a piece of homework for you. One response for you. This is just this week, all right? I want you to ask yourself, who's one person that you can check in on? Who's one person that you can go beyond the surface with in the next three days? Who is one person that you might've even noticed that they need a heart-to-heart? They needed someone to check in on them and go, dude, how are you doing? And you didn't do it. You know why? Because you had no idea what to do. Because you didn't come to youth group yet and hear the answer, which is this. How you doing? For real. And they go, "Uh, honestly, I don't know. And then you go, let's talk about it. Whoa, are we growing up? Yes! (laughs) You know, like, welcome to community. Our relationship with each other creates concern for each other. And so check in on people. Have deep conversations. Move beyond the surface so that you can know how we are. I don't want to know where you are. I don't want to know what you are. I don't want to know what you're doing. I want to know how are you? How are you? That's the first picture of community. Everybody say one. One down, three to go. Let's look at the second picture, okay? Verse 10. Aristarchus, that dude doesn't get a cool nickname, right? What do we call it? Starchy? Starkey? Aristarch, Aristardo, what? That's a totally different name, bruh. Stark, Stark, my fellow prisoner, he greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barabbas, Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, by the way, welcome him. I love that, right? Like, Paul, he's so ADD. He's like, yeah, this guy's coming. This guy's coming. And if he shows up, you best welcome him. You know I told you. You better give him that VIP treatment. Anyway. And Jesus, who by the way, he doesn't go by Jesus anymore because like, ah, too soon. So he changed his name to Justice, you know? And so these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God and they have been a comfort to me. Paul's rolling deep, huh? Paul's in prison. He's got fellow prisoners. You know, like ride or die. He's doing a lot of dying lately and he's got them. This is his squad. And what does he say about his squad? We learn this. This is the picture we learned that we can provide comfort in the midst of the conflict. (laughs) We, as this community, we can provide comfort even in the midst of the conflict. Here's what you have to understand. If you're a Christian, you are in what he calls the kingdom of God, okay? And if you're in the kingdom of God, that means that there's a conflict because the kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of darkness. And so Jesus comes into enemy territory. He comes into the devil's house on his turf, and he says, good news, the kingdom of God is here. You got some competition for the souls of mankind. And for the rest of history, the kingdom of God is waging war against the kingdom of darkness. And it may look like it's in a battle, but it's not because it's rigged. The ending's already written. Jesus wins. Our next sermon series, you'll see it on the back of your notes, we're finishing up Tale of Two Kingdoms. And for four weeks, we're going to talk about what this looks like, how the kingdom of God is overcoming the kingdom of darkness. But if you're a Christian, welcome to the conflict. If you're living in the kingdom of God, you're engaged in a conflict. Every day you're learning what it looks like to stand for your faith. You're learning what it looks like to hold to your convictions. You're learning what it looks like to live for Jesus. But not only are you in the kingdom of God, look what he calls us. He says, You're fellow workers for the kingdom. Not only are you sweating by living in the kingdom, but we're exerting energy by trying to advance the message. We're spreading the gospel. We're calling people to come into the kingdom. Everywhere we go, we are engaged in this conflict. Look around. Again, look around. Your fellow Christians, I don't care what their face looks like. I don't care how much makeup they have on. I don't care what their smile looks like. They are engaged in this conflict and it will take its toll. It takes its toll. You guys are in Rome, but you're not Romans. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're surrounded by people who live and embody the kingdom of darkness, and you're trying to just stand and live out what you believe. That will take its toll. It's like this. It's like war. And when you're in a war, Discouragement is not uncommon. Exhaustion is not uncommon. Becoming disappointed is not uncommon. These are very common experiences, especially when you're on the front lines of ministry. Students, welcome to the conflict. This is what our mission is like. Living for Jesus is war, and it's hard. It's hard. And so my question for you, as you look around, as you, as you all know how hard it is to live for Jesus in this war, my question to you is this. How do you treat each other in the midst of the conflict? You know that your sister is at war. You know that your brother is exhausted. You know that your friend is being tempted to fall. You know that your cousin is feeling like he can't go any further. How do you treat them? You know it's taking its toll on them. You know they're at war. So how do you treat them? You know how Paul's squad treated him? Super sarcastic and they bullied him and they always cut him down. (laughs) Ha ha ha, because it's funny. Really? How did Paul's friends treat him? Well, they made really sarcastic comments about him and they subtweeted him. They sent him really mean texts, but you know, he understands because he's a bro. (laughs) Ha ha (laughs) ha. No. You know how Paul's squad treated him? They have been a comfort to me. Paul says this. He says, you know what my friends are like? (laughs) You know what my friends are like? When I'm in the presence of my friends, it's like I get to take a break from the pain. When I hang out in the company of my friends, it's like I get to take a pause from the conflict. It's like I get to step into a shelter from the storm. And instead of being out in the cold, it's like I get to come near a fire. And their relationship to me is like a comfort. Are you a comfort? Do people say that about you? Dude, I love hanging out with Kyle. He is a comfort to me. I'm at war, the entire world is against me. But when I hang out with Kyle, I'm reminded of the joy and the camaraderie that comes with being in the family of God. Are we a comfort? to each other? Is our presence and company a rest from the conflict? Or, on the other hand, are you the kind of person that when somebody comes into your presence, they have to strap up and suit up one more time for another round? Are you the kind of person that when you walk into the room, people go, here we go, it's time for another fight. And not fight physically. I mean, another fight to just stand. Another fight to put on. Another fight to just have to defend myself. What kind of person are you? This is why on Wednesday nights, this is why in our community at Citizens, we have zero, I say zero tolerance for the kind of behavior that opposes comfort. I have zero tolerance for sarcasm, negativity, bullying, cattiness. You know why? Because we get enough of that in the world. And I know your friend is laughing when you're doing that to him, but on the inside, he's not. That's not cool, bro. That's not cool, chick. We get enough of that in the world. What if Wednesday nights could be a place where it's a shelter from the storm? What if Wednesday night could come and be a place where I can honestly be myself and not have to worry about being made fun of? What if Wednesday nights could be a place where when I step into this place, it's safe, and not just, oh, it's a safe place, because we make fun of that phrase. No, like legitimately, it's safe. And these people are a comfort to me. That's hard. That's hard. And people who say that's not cool and they make fun of that, you know why? It's because they're immature and they're losers. They are. They're losing at life because they have not learned the secret of life. Companionship, camaraderie, unity, friendship, more than friends, brothers, sisters. What kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? This This is what God's family is to look like. We're a comfort to each other, even in the midst of a conflict. That's the second picture, okay? Everybody say two. Two down, two to go. Let's look at the next picture, okay? Verse 12. Epaphras, what do we call this dude? Pappy? Epaphras? Hey, yo, paps. It's just, I don't know. It's not a cool one. Epap, E? E-pop! E-pop, who is one of you. Like, he's literally, he's one of you. He's a Colossian. He's from your region. He grew up on your block. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. So here we go. We're looking at this third picture, and what we see is this. God uses the people around us to accomplish his plan for us. One more time. Look around. Look around. Look around. God God uses the people around us to accomplish his plan for us. What do I mean by this? Well, let's look at the text. We meet Epop. all right? This dude's name is Epaphras. He lives hundreds of miles away from the Colossians. But you know what he does for the Colossians? What does he do? He's always struggling for them. He is always working hard for them. This is a dude hundreds of miles away from his church family, hundreds of miles away from the family of God in Colossae, and yet he works hard for them. He struggles. You know what that word struggle is? It's actually a war term because we just talked about war. He's waging war on their behalf. Uh, Epaphras, you're hundreds of miles away. How do you think you can fight for us? On his knees. He's praying. He's praying for them. Waging war because he knows they're in a war. So he says, I'm gonna lend my instrument to the battle and I'll pray for you because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. It's a spiritual war. And so Epaphras is a dude here who is working hard. Why? That you may stand mature. God wants you to be mature. God is building you up. God is working in your life so that you can be blameless and above reproach. That you can be built up. And so we have God doing that towards you. And look what God has brought. A leader. A friend a fellow Christian who's coming and partnering with God and working toward that same end. This is a person who says, hey, Hannah, God wants to build you up. I'm gonna help him. I'm gonna struggle for you. Hey, Tucker, God wants you to be mature. I'm gonna partner with him. I'm gonna strive for you because you're my friend and my brother and I'm gonna see the same end. I'm gonna work toward the same goal because God uses the people around us to accomplish His plan for us. And so we have here in Colossae, we have a Epaphras. But who do you have? Who do you have? And so what you need to understand is not only who do you have, but who do you have is a difference. Not only who has you, not only who do you have instructing you, not only who do you have struggling for you, but who do you have that you're looking out for? Because you see, what I see here, when I read Epaphras' example, I realize that we have a job, students. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a job to do. Look at your other neighbor and say, yo, you got a job to do. You're like, I know, my mom said I have chores, I gotta get them done by tonight. No, you got a job to do. Look what Epaphras is doing. You got a job to do. Look, she's sitting right next to you, Eilish, look. We're responsible for each other. God wants to use you to grow you. God wants to use you to grow you. And so you need to follow the example of Epaphras. Pray. Work hard. Serve. I love, we're in Ephesians right now, and in, in several weeks I get to preach Ephesians 4, and it talks about how we're serving, not because we are good volunteers, we serve so that the people around us are built up. You got a job to do. Ethan, you have a job to do, and he's sitting right next to you. Maddie, you have a job to do. She's sitting right next to you. Are you building up the people around you? God he uses the people around us to accomplish His plan for us. Are you a person that is causing other people to be brought up to maturity? Or are you bringing people down? Do you encourage other people to talk about godly things or are you the person that always brings up the conversation a little bit too far and maybe get a little bit too close to the line? Ladies, I wanna talk to you for a moment, okay? Ladies, I'm gonna tell you an age old secret and the guys may kill me for telling you this but I'm gonna tell you. When you walk into the room, we get dumb. Every dude's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, you right, you right, you right, you right. (laughs) Ladies, I'm gonna be dead up with you, all right? Listen to me, listen to me. When you walk into the room, the guy's IQ drops in half. I'm being generous. (laughs) And so now here's what I want you to do with that power. All right, here's what I'm calling you to do. Knowing that now, you are responsible. Now that you know your superpower, your God-given superpower, the question is, what are you going to do to your brother? Are you going to come in knowing that you can cut his IQ in half make him drool and make him get stupid? Are you going to use that superpower for good? Or are you going to be mindful of that and protect your brother? Okay. Dudes, I'm going to tell you a secret. (laughs) Ladies are like, no, it's not fair. Dudes, I'm going to tell you a secret. You ready? (laughs) And I know, I talk with dudes, I have a small group of guys, and they have said to me like, girls are so different. They're just like a different creature. And so dudes, I'm gonna tell you a secret, all right? Ladies, you're gonna kill me, but I gotta tell them. When a dude walks into the room, girls don't get stupid. No, their IQ doesn't drop in half. You wanna know what girls do when a dude walks into the room? (laughs) When a dude walks into the room, And he even a little bit cute. You know what a girl does? She starts naming their children. Oh my gosh! Did you see him? He said hello to me. Our children would look adorable. You whoa! You just went way fast forward. Ladies, like that's not true. Okay, 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 a little bit. Maybe they don't go that far. Maybe they back it up a little You know what some ladies do? They're like, no, I'm more mature than that. I'm not going to go all the way to the children. I'm just going to like plan our wedding. (laughs) And and that's why if a dude, if you ever have a girl walk up to you and you don't even know them, and they say chicken or steak and walk away, you go, now I get it. (laughs) They were asking for my wedding dish. (laughs) You're like, click, 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 click. It's all making sense. So why do I tell you this? Why am I telling you this? Because you guys have to understand the responsibility that you have for one another. You have to understand the way that your presence influences each other. You have to understand the impact that you have on one another, and I'm calling you, in light of that impact, in light of that influence, use it for good. Allow the Lord to use you to help mature your friends. Allow the Lord to use you to help build up your fellow brothers and sisters. Don't bring them backwards. Don't be the one that goes that far. Don't be the one that uses those words. Don't be the ones that sends those pictures. Don't be the ones that, bring, just stop it. Don't be the one that's tapping on the person's shoulder next to you saying, ha, ha ha, look at my Snapchat. Why are you doing that? Why are you allowing the people around you to be distracted from the word of God, which is there to build you up? Far be it from us. Far be it from you to get in the way of what God is doing maybe set of citizens that we get in line with what God is doing, and we encourage maturity. We encourage growth. Let's be people that we can look at, and we say, because of CJ's influence in my life, because of Marcus's influence in my life, I am more mature. Let it be, because God uses the people around us to accomplish his plan for us. That's number three. Everybody say three. That's the third picture. That's the third picture. One to go. Oh, I got to say that. Everybody say thank you. thank you. We're talking about epop, right? Epaphras is a church leader, and so here's what I want you to do. I want you to say thank you. I want you to say thank you to God. God, thank you for church leaders in my life. I also want you to say thank you to your church leaders. Thank your elders. Thank your pastors. Thank your ministers. Thank the deacons. Thank church leaders who are on the front lines of ministry so that you may be built up. Everybody say thank you. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So that's number three. Let's look at the fourth and final picture in verse 14. Luke. Dude, don't get a nickname. (laughs) Luke Skywalker, stop it, Luke, the beloved physician greets you, oh, he's a doctor, oh, snap, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke, Doc, oh, snap, I'm good at this, yo, Doc, Doc, not Dr. Lee's Dr. Luke, Doc, the beloved physician greets you, as does Demas, that guy doesn't get a nickname because it sounds too close to demon, we're not even going to touch it, all right, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. He's like, read it, pass it down, right? Take one, pass it down. And see that you also read the letter from, the Laodice- from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Archie, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Like, he's like, say that. Like, okay, well, he's like, no, say it. So they say it to Archippus. He's like sitting there, first row. And then verse 18, he ends the letter. You ready? Final verse. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Poof. Paul's a beast. Let's look at the fourth and final picture here, students. Here's what we learn about the kind of community that God wants us to have. We remind each other, this is bigger than you. Look at your friend, look to your neighbor, and say, this is bigger than you. Say, this is way bigger than you. This is crazy bigger than you. (laughs) Why do I say this is our picture? Why do I say that this is what we learn from these final verses? Look at all the people he names. Yo, like, who's receiving the letter? Remember, Philemon is receiving the letter, Aristarchus, or or, uh, what's his uh, uh, name, Priscilla, whatever their names are, and Philemon, they're all receiving the letter, but it's cool because it's bigger than them, okay? We got Luke is there too, but it's bigger than him. We got Demas, But it's even bigger than him. We have all the brothers at Laodicea, right? Surely that's what we're talking about. All the brothers in Greece. No, no, no. It's in Turkey. It's bigger than them. We got Nympha. She cool. But it's bigger than her. We have Archippus. Yes! But it's bigger than him. We got Paul. It's bigger than him. It's bigger than him. This is a community that when we see the sheer amount of people involved, we're reminded this is bigger than you. What God is doing in his kingdom, students, it's bigger than any single one of us. And so here's what's crazy, because you come to youth group every night and you're like, this is so cool. I love youth group. It's about me and what I can learn and what I receive. And I'm talking to my friends and I'm not even listening right now. Even though he's pointing at me, I don't understand it. But it's bigger than you. They'll listen to it on the podcast. This is bigger than you, students. What God is doing is way bigger than you. And so, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. We forget. And do you know when we forget? When we're alone. When you get alone by yourself, when you stop coming into youth group, when you unplug from community, when you isolate yourself, you start to have this view of life like, it's about me. My problems, my issues, what am I experiencing? How am I feeling? How am I going through? What am I going through? And then you do it. You get in the car and you drive to church and you walk into the building and you walk into a room of 150 kids and like a light bulb, it's turned on and you go, oh oh yeah, I forgot. This is way bigger than me. Oh, snap, I forgot there are other people who are going through things. And yes, I've become so self-absorbed self-absorbed in what I've been struggling with. But I see Hannah. Oh, yeah, Hannah's a thing. She's struggling. She needs me. Oh, yeah, Tucker, he exists. He has issues too. He needs me. This thing is so much bigger than any single one of us. And so we have to remember all of the people involved. You have to remember all of the individual Christians that are involved. But you know what else you need to remember? Not just other people, you know what else you should remember? Look what he says, in addition to the individuals, he also mentions the church of the Laodiceans. So remember there's other people, remember there are other churches. I love NGC. I think this is a dope church to be a part of. I hope you guys all graduate high school, go away to college, come back, become a member at this church and make lots of babies and send them to youth group. <clears throat> all in favor say aye. Aye. right? And all the girls are like, I already have their names. <laughs> I think this is a dope church to be a part of, but it's way bigger than this church. Dude, I think this is a pretty tight youth group, but there's literally youth pastors all across the country, thousands of youth pastors who are doing this right now, teaching students how to learn to live for Jesus. Bigger than you guys. Like imagine I wrote, like I open up a letter right now and I go, <clears throat> Dear citizens youth, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, I greet you all the way from Canada. In addition, I was hanging out with the Christians in China and they say, what up? I also was FaceTiming with the believers in Budapest and they say, hey. The brothers and sisters in Russia say, greetings, da." And I just start going off. And you hear about all these Christians and you go, oh, yeah, this is bigger than me. God has his people everywhere. He has put them in my life. He is using them for me. And in response, we all say, thank God for God's people. Say it with me. Thank God for God's people. Now say it like you're not clones and drones. Read it for yourself. Ready? One, two, three. Thank God for God's people. God has given us his people. We are his people. And so we remember the other individuals. We remember the other churches. We thank God for them. But as we end here, I want you to remember one more thing. I want you to remember one more thing. And he says it in the last verse. Remember my chains. This dude's not talking about his necklaces. This dude's not talking about his two chains, silver and gold. He says, remember my chains. Remember the fact that I am in shackles. Remember, Jacob, that there are people on the other side of the globe. There are people even on our side of the globe who are giving up their very lives, who are willingly embracing their deaths to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember them. As you're sitting in your cushy black chair, listening to the Bible in a safe building with security guards and everything, while you worship freely and raise your hands, while you have 17 Bibles at home, remember there are people dying for this. Remember them. Pray for them. And as you remember those people, you're going, oh yeah, this is way bigger than me. You know who you should remember? Paul's dead. You can remember him if you want. RIP, but I'm gonna see him in heaven. You know who you could remember? Remember Zach Wable. Remember Wable, my friend Wable, missionary to an undisclosed country in Africa? And he came to the academy. He's spoken here. And he talks about how he's going to a country where there are currently dozens of former pastors enslaved in shipping containers. So that w- because they were, when they were in prison, they were converting their fellow prisoners. <laughs> and so they said, that's it. You're in solitary confinement. And then for the last seven years, they've been in shipping containers. Remember him. He's going there willingly. I just got a message from him today. He's leaving April 13th. Remember him. Pray for him. Remember that this is bigger than you. And you know what? We're actually going to do something tangible. We're going to remember him in our prayers, and we're going to remember him in other ways. Because when Zach was here, I forget who it was. It may have been your sister, but somebody in the academy asked him, like, what's your biggest need over there? And he thought about it, and he goes, I need shoes. We go, what, why? He says, because when a pair of shoes breaks, you don't go to the shoe store. And he's was like, oh, you can't order on Amazon. <laughs> you know what you do? They have a shoe store, which is basically a bunch of secondhand shoes that have been shipped from America. And there's one big mountain and there's no matching pairs. And you grab two and you try to find at least two different shoes of the same size. And so he's got a 10 and a half on his left foot and a 13 on his right foot. And the dude's bawling like a beast. And so when he said that, I was like, let's take an offering. So we're going to do that. He's leaving in a few weeks. We're going to take an offering, okay? And we're going to respond right now. We're going to respond. We're going to pray. We're going to take an offering. And we'll do it again next week in case you're not prepared to give. I want you to bring a gift. Any gift that you want, bring a gift. Put it in the bucket. We're going to buy Zach Wable some basketball shoes. Who knows? Maybe we'll raise enough money, we'll buy him two. Do you guys want to do that? Like, do you want to send him a pair of sneakers as a way of saying, like, bro, we remember you. Let's do it. Let's do it. And so here's how we're going to respond tonight. Ushers, you can get ready. You can come and give. And, and what we'll do is this. Max, you can play a little bit of your ding 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 thing. And, uh, and so we're going to take an offering. And, 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 and even before, before we do the offering here, before we do the offering, I want you to get in groups of two or three people. And for the next two minutes, I want you to pray this powerful prayer. You ready? Eyes up here. Eyes up here. We're not done yet. Look, look, look. Here's the prayer you're going to pray. Thank God for God's people. It's that simple. And so take a few moments. Thank God for the people around you and in your life. You're going to pray. We're going to take offering. And we're going to go home. And that concludes our series in Colossians. Hey, I'm just telling you, this is Citizens Youth, man. Nothing better than going through a book. Nothing better. Let me pray for you, and then you're gonna pray together. We'll do offering. Lord, thank you for these students. Thank you that you have changed our lives as a result of this book. And so, Lord, now as we pray prayers of thanksgiving for your people, Um, speak to us, pray through us. Um, Bless our giving and our offering, Lord. Would you be pleased by that as we remember our friend Zach Wable. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then turn to the person next to you, pray for a few moments, and we'll take offerings in in a couple moments.